Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Saltalamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Bradford. All right, baseball is not boring, and, and a guy who has lived that, has dreamed that, has uh, has exhibited that all along the way. C.J. Nikowski, one of the best baseball broadcasters in the business for the Texas Rangers and also MLB Network Radio. Uh, C.J., what's going on? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, man. It's been a good couple of months uh, for the Rangers. <laughs> I, lo- I love the winners. I do really enjoy the offseason. I feel kind of spoiled, man, um, but I'm looking forward to getting started, too. How you been? Good. Oh, listen. I mean, this has been a lot of fun. We've been doing this podcast for about two months now, um, and it's everyone. Yeah, oh, well, the season begins. That's when it's really going to kick get going. But every single day, there's something. I mean, whether yeah. it's on the field, off the field. We had guy from Savannah Bananas. We've had GMs. We've had <laughs> managers. We have players. We have. It's 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 easy. And and you know, you do this. I mean, you do this yeah. on on the radio and on series. And like you, this is this is base. Talk about baseball is easy. It's easy. It is. And even like this week, so I have four shows this week. I usually do three, you know, three hours a pop. And when it gets slow, there's times you're like, oh, man, am I going to have enough to talk about? But when you work with people that you enjoy working with and, mm-hmm. and all week long, it's me and Ryan Spielborgs. I'm like, you know, we may take a segment to talk about leftover lasagna, you know, from Christmas, whatever. <laughs> like it's it's always try to do some kind of baseball time. But you're right. Even when it quote unquote gets slow, it still doesn't get slow. And, and this never a time where I'm like, man, when's this show going to be over? No, no. And, and, you know, here's the thing, CJ, is that in this this offseason has been better than honestly I expected in the sense that we stressed out leading up to last year aside because last year had a deadline. We had the lockout deadline. But before that, it was leaking into January. It was leaking into February. There was no deadline for these moves. And and it used to be where you got to Christmas, almost everything was done. And you had the week after Christmas off. And then, you know, you had a smattering of things. This year actually has been much more active. It's been very, very interesting because it's been all free agents, right? Yeah. Like, like all free agents. And we're sitting here. And we easily have the top probably 25 free agents gone off the board. And now I would imagine now, okay, now it's trade time. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting, but it's fun, man. Oh, it is fun. And speculation is fun. And fans love to do it. And we love to do it, right? And then, of course, you get the ridiculous trade proposals. <laughs> so, like, all right, we'll give you Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Conner for Leffa. And we want Shohei Otani, right? You know, those kinds of things that, that fans will throw out at you. But it is fun to do. And even, you know, for me, whether it's talking about all the teams or because I call games for the Rangers, digging in uh, maybe what they can do in that one last outfield spot that look like they're maybe trying to fill. And it's going to likely have to happen, you know, via trade and who you're willing to give up. And then you go back and, and look at history. It was, it was funny because we used Dick Vitale in our open for Loud Out. We know we're great because he was a guest one time and he's just, you know, full of energy and being awesome. And so there's a part where he's talking to us and, and in the open. And I was and I ran across an old tweet that I clipped off that he was really upset when Chris Archer got traded to the Pirates. <laughs> and you go back and you look at that trade. And I mean, the, the Rays absolutely killed it, right? That was, I believe, Austin Meadows, Tyler yeah. Glass now, yeah. and then Shane Boz. Like a ridiculously <laughs> one-sided trade. He was so mad. He's like, how come we couldn't get Justice Sheffield? Like he's asking for other guys, like other big prospects at the time. And we all do it you just you never know you obviously prospect lists and, and the writers work hard that cover those kinds of things but it's like anything else it's not guaranteed and to try to match up is so difficult 
I know it, it, it is crazy. And the fact is, is that the, you're, you're right about the great thing about trades and trade proposals and fake trades is that there's there's no right or wrong. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 and it's honestly in a big part of baseball, it's conversation. And there's yeah. nothing to get conversation going more than than all the, the type of trades that you're talking about. I want to ask before we get to the Rangers, though, what was the craziest offseason that you had as a player? Ooh, that's a good one. There was, you know, so much up and down here. You know, I just, I bounced around so much. I was fortunate to play for, for 19 years and do it in a couple of different countries. There were so many times also where I thought my career was over. So those are the ones that brought the most stress, you know, quite honestly. Um, and, but then there was also, there was an opportunity, one of the first opportunities I had to go to Japan. Um, I turned it down, ended up signing back with the Rangers. And in retrospect, I mean, I'm glad I got to play with the Rangers, but it, it, it didn't work out. I didn't stay in the big leagues very long and, and lost out on some pretty, pretty good money in Japan. Um, that was kind of a wild one because I got a phone call from Tommy Lasorda because the guy that was kind of working this deal also worked for the Dodgers, a Japanese guy. And he had Tommy Lasorda call me. This was going into the oh, 2003 season. And this is Lasorda says to me, and I never met him before. I never talked to him. I mean, you know, pitching against the Dodgers a little bit, you know, prior to that, but didn't really know him. And he says, uh, he goes, Hey, CJ, he's like, listen. That's enough screwing around. Your career's probably done here. Why don't you? You need to go over to Japan. Like that was his advice to me. Really? I was like, and I'm sitting here going, man, I, I felt like I finished the season kind of decent. I feel like I still got a lot left in the tank. And he was basically trying to tell me, you're kind of done here. You're not that great. You need to go to Japan. I was like, all right. Yeah, it was like a really awkward off season conversation um, that I had. But there was a lot of them, man. I mean, just working so hard to try to stay in the game, keep my head above water. Back in the day, making VHSs and and CDs or DVDs to send to teams to look at and just you know, do everything you can to get another opportunity. So th- there's so many different ones and, and so many different kind of stories out here and actually went through a hearing. That's kind of wild when you have to do that. Doesn't happen very often. Yeah. Um, so there, there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot of good, a lot of bad and a lot of laughs and a lot of tears. Yeah. Yes. You talk about arbitration hearing. You know, I remember going to the Vinoy. David mm-hmm. Ortiz was on the cusp. I mean, that's what, so they was bizarre because you know, the Vinoy, the haunted hotel yeah, yeah. in St. Petersburg. And, and so David Ortiz was, he had gotten to the point where it was he's going to hearing and you know like it's okay well let's go it's just everyone's digging in so yeah come to Vinoy I'll talk to you so I'm like I go to Vinoy and I'm on track trying to track him down and everyone's screwing around and then he's like oh no it's settled like an hour before I'm like well at least I got a free night in the haunted hotel so there that's you. right that's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's it could get dicey man those those hearings are are, are something else <laughs> but it's you always wonder to think about a guy like David Ortiz that he would even get that close but you have to have the willingness to kind of call their bluff and try to avoid that bad PR yeah and so when you talked about how long you played what's interesting one of the things that's interesting about this offseason is is the guys who are a little bit older like they're getting deals man mm-hmm. like they're they're getting and I like to get your sort of perspective on it because there's a couple of different ways to look at it. Like for instance, you know, the Red Sox, you look at the guys that they signed, Chris Martin, I think 38 or 37, something mm-hmm. like that. You have obviously Kluber up there. You have um uh Kenley Kenley yeah. Jansen, you know. Um, and you know, there's a lot of you know, Rich Hill just signed with with, with the Pirates, <laughs> the ultimate Jansen. example, right? Yeah. I mean, Rich Hill enjoy enjoy your half season with the Pirates. Um, so uh, and before you would go on and win a World Series or wherever you're traded, but mm-hmm. it, but it it is like interesting that teams are valuing that. Is that a product you think of? Well, what do you think is a product of? Because some people say, well, big guys are taking better care of themselves. There's it's the Tom Brady effect and so mm-hmm. forth and so on. Like, what's your take on that? 
I think to some degree, yes. I actually asked Justin Verlander that exact same question. I did a YouTube game earlier this year, so we did an in-game interview and kind of threw the Tom Brady comp out at him because he's talked about wanting to pitch into his mid-40s. And I think there are certain guys that give themselves at least a chance to do it. Uh, Rich Hill is an incredible example of at least being, you know, at least serviceable and probably even a little bit better than that. Uh, was he going to be 43 pitching in yeah, his age 43, 43 yeah, season? Yeah. It's, it's nuts. Uh, it's nice to see, though. Because it was a little bit frustrating. I know the union was very frustrated by it as older players were getting written off. I wonder, though, if we're going to look back at this in a few years and say, man, remember that year that all those teams were comfortable <laughs> signing old guys? And look how they all <laughs> fell apart. <laughs> you know, is it going to be cyclical and then they're going to regret it um, down the road? That's the one part that I w- we'll see if that ends up coming to fruition. But I do like seeing it because there is something about the experience. There's also the part now, like when you sign one of these guys, we, we talk about it all the time. You'll say things like, well, if you can get 25 starts out of him, you'll be pretty happy yeah. with that. Right. Yeah. So now that was never part of the conversation. And so with the Rangers bringing in a guy like Jacob DeGrom, although he finished the season strong and healthy, I mean, that's out there, right? It's one of those things like how many starts are you going to get of each of the five years and, and maybe beyond with that option year. So, um, you know, I think expectations are also lowered to go along with the fact that, yeah, guys take really incredible care of themselves. And, and another thing I would imagine too is that these guys usually are starting semi short deals. Yeah. The AAV might be up there. But for teams, they said, well, we're going to get the the older guy. We don't get the short deal. We'll get the experience. We'll get the leadership. Hopefully, we'll get the production. And we're not going to tie ourselves in the knots if we have a young pitcher. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I don't know. There's a lot of different ways to look at it. But there are some yeah, – I'm glad you brought up Verlander because Verlander is the, the perfect example of this. And DeGrom's another example that this is the, – the best free agent pitchers on the market – are perceived are perceived they're they're older i mean they're upper 30s and this is yeah. and there wasn't and teams aren't shying away and i think this is also a byproduct of some of the success the guys have you mentioned rich hill but another scherzer these guys these guys aren't falling apart so which is i don't know i just feel good as an old guy this yeah, time. it does. It's good. Well, think about him and scherzer i can't remember what the total number of starts he made last year it was like 23 or 24 mm-hmm. i believe um, was the number. We know DeGrom only pitches the, the last couple of months of the season. And then I think in the case of Verlander, like, how do we look at the two years that he missed? Is it that it's going to be actually a benefit? Mm. He goes and he has the surgery, he goes to the rehab. There was some talk about whether or not he was going to make it back at the end of the previous year, right? Maybe for the postseason that didn't happen, uh, but he goes back to the Houston Astros on, on that deal that allowed him uh, to opt out and he looked really good, right? It's not, it's, you know, it's good swing and miss. It's not you know, off the chart swing and miss, but his mm-hmm. fastball was was really good, and he understands how to use it probably now more than ever. I think is probably part of it as well, and the way that he can elevate at the top of the zone, not necessarily for swings and misses, but for weak contact and understanding what that can mean. And it's okay to to allow fly balls. Uh, I think that's something that certain teams, you know, you think about for a while. We want to ground ball pitchers. Well, yeah, elevated fastballs are great, but they're not just about um, blowing guys away. They can also be about getting those pop ups and getting mm-hmm. the ball hit in the air, but not but not strongly. So I think take all of the things that are, with a guy like Justin Verlander, the two years off, surgically repaired, comes back looking really well, understands his body better than ever, mm-hmm. and has that huge year. So I think teams can appreciate those kinds of things a little bit more. And on a three year deal at you know forty three million dollars a year, um, I guess the Mets are, are pretty comfortable with that. I mean, we'll see. Well, I, I can't wait till we get another team that has two forty three million dollar pitchers. <laughs> see how far away that is. <laughs> Well, speaking of speaking of high price pitchers, so the the team that you broadcast for the Texas Rangers, 
Jacob deGrom is another example of this. And, and maybe along the lines of Verlander, maybe we're going to look at this as he saved some bullets last year and boom, here you go. You mm-hmm. next few years, he's really going to take off because everyone, you know, I mean, there's nobody arguing how awesome he is when he's on the mound, his stuff and everything else. So they signed the so Texas Rangers signed deGrom. They signed uh, Nathan Avaldi. And that's what they wanted, right? They wanted top of the rotation starters going in. Mm-hmm. Now you look at this team. And I'll just ask you, CJ. So I look at this team, and uh, I, I'm going to take this enormous leap of faith because I can, because that's what the offseason's about. Right. I'm saying they can ease that they can contend for the World Series. They can contend for the American League East title. And I know that coming off of last year, that's a pretty big leap. But I look at the potential of their starters. I look at you know the and you tell me if I'm full of hooey. Please yeah. do. But you know the reliever is good enough. Um, obviously, you have some pieces offensively. Uh, I look at them. It's it's a it's a big ass to take that kind of jump, but I look at the, from the outside. Why not? Am I sure. am I wrong? I mean, what's what well, do you that, feel? I think it's one of those things. The games that we play, especially as we get closer to the start of spring training, the beginning of the season, everybody has question marks, and how those questions get answered are going to dictate how your season is going to go. So obviously, health is a big one. Over talking about pitching and leaning on pitching as much as the Rangers are, but I think the other questions that'll be answered or need to be answered that could make what you're talking about happen are things like, will Marcus Simeon get off to a much better start than he did last year? It was a real slow start for him. It took him a long time to mm-hmm. hit that first home run after hitting 45 <laughs> the year before in Toronto. Yeah. Right? There was a lot of like, hey, what's going on here? So now you know he, he goes through the situation where he's comfortable. Everyone expects him to get off to a much better start. Corey Seager set a career personal career high in home runs. He had 33 of them, but the overall offensive year, I think, was down a little bit for him when you look at some of the other things. He's going to be great and probably even better than he was last year. But the questions that have to be answered are things like Josh Young, who got a little bit of time. He was the eighth overall pick back in 2019 uh, for the Rangers. COVID got in the way. Some injuries got in the way. He finally gets to the big leagues last year, hit five home runs in a short amount of time. Um, looks like that he's going it's, it's going to play. Right. And so what does that look like over the course of a full year? What does left field look like? The Rangers had the worst OPS among left fielders in baseball last year, Mm. collectively. That's something that they're trying to address right now, whether it's Brian Reynolds, whether it's bringing in a a Robbie Grossman to be a platoon with a guy like Brad Miller uh, is a possibility. There's a lot of different ways uh, that they can go. Uh, We will see. But if they can answer that question. Dolis Garcia looks like the real deal. Uh, Leone Tavares is a premier center fielder. Uh, the offense started to come around a little bit uh, last year. Nathaniel Lowe over- won a silver slugger. Mm-hmm. You know, after the race, thought he couldn't hit lefties. You know, they don't get much wrong, but they got <laughs> no, they got no, that no. one wrong. He crushed lefties last year and used the entire entire field um, and hit three hundred two. That was a big leap for him. He did a really nice job. Um, so that's part of what's going on with him um, as well. And one of those questions that has to be answered as far as the bullpen. Uh, a full year of Jose LeClerc, who's back now after injury, St. Jonathan Hernandez. Both of those guys uh, pitched about half the year after coming back from elbow surgery. Uh, Brock Burke was phenomenal. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people probably don't know a ton about him. Uh, a guy who, quite honestly, was off the radar for me last year and ended up having a huge, huge season. I'd love to see them bring Matt Moore back. And Matt Moore was great. First full year in the bullpen, sub-2 ERA, and he was a multi-inning reliever. Um, mm-hmm. He crushed it. And so he's still out there as a free agent. I got to believe a lot of teams are in on him. Um, and so those are the couple like what ifs um, that if they go the right way, yeah, I'm with you because they can lean on that pitching. Martin Perez was unbelievable. Right, I know, man. That's I a could, career year. I was, was crazy. You know, I know. And ZJ, that's the thing. Like haven't seen him pitch the year before. And then you look at his numbers before. And when he got off to the good start in April, like, yeah, dude, like, okay, fine. Like you got off to good starts in every April. I think yeah. 
the the year before he came to Boston, he was the best pitcher in the American League for the first month and a half of the season. Uh-huh. And then and then it just sort of falls off. But I give him a ton of credit. Great guy, good guy to have around, and really yeah. embraces you know just whatever team he's on. And but he did it. I think in in like from stem to stern, pretty much right he's, for four million. I mean, that's the other part. When we signed him, I had the same thought you did. I was like, well, the Rangers are light right now. They got a lot of young starters. Bring him in as a veteran. And he's probably, you know, either Delta or maybe even DFA, you know, sometime in August. And he looked like a completely different guy. Of course, he came through the Rangers system as a 17-year-old. And and we saw him. And I saw him when I first got over here and started calling games in 17. It's all pretty good lefty, but just, you know, having a hard time maybe taking that next step. And the time apart and from the Rangers and then coming back, the thing that stuck out more than anything, he didn't miss spots, man. Mm-hmm. He dotted left and right. He led baseball and called third strikes. Yeah, you know, the yeah. strikeouts looking was a number for him that, you know, he just had that cutter two seam fastball uh, situation working really well. Front door two seamer, back door on the cutter. It was something else to watch and just locking guys up and not missing spots. Uh, very often. So you know, they're counting on that again. He took the qualifying offer, right? So it's one year deal for 1965 after making 4 million last year. Uh, worked out well. And a healthy John Gray. Yeah. A healthy John Gray is a number two in a, in a competitive rotation. He may slide to four if they want to split up the righties, depending on what they do with Evaldi, or he could still be two here. Maybe Martin goes three if you want a lefty to split up uh, with Andrew Heaney and then maybe Evaldi in between. I don't know. Uh, he had some injuries last year. It was a blister. It was an oblique. Not, not anything you're really too concerned about. Um, but, man, he, he was really fun to watch in person and to see how good he was out of Colorado. That fastball was legit. That fastball-slider combination that John Gray was bringing to the table was really good. He's in year two of a four-year deal. Yeah, you look at all those names, and all of them are free agents, by the way, which is so semi-interesting. So yeah. you, you obviously have DeGrom at the top, and then, like you said, you know, you have John Gray, you have Ivaldi, you have Perez, and you have Heaney. Yeah. And, and Odorizzi. And old reason, right? I mean, which yeah. is you have He's to have probably in, this, in the pen right now. Yeah. Well, in this day and age, everyone has six starters. I mean, yeah. this is you know yeah. how how it works, but it it really is incredible. Where you okay, you might miss on one or two of those guys, whatever. But if you there's a very very good chance you're going to have at least three really solid starters. I mean, in solid like I mean high high up, upside. We're not just talking about middle of the road. Hey, you're just okay. You'll get by starters. I mean, we all think that Degrom's going to be awesome. And Evaldi, having seen him pitch, you know, yeah, his velocity was down after he came back. You know, he had the back issue, but at the same time, you know, this is a guy who I think, and I told him this. I think he has the the ability to morph into something else. He takes incredible care of his body. Mm-hmm. He's become much more than the guy who throws a hundred. He's he's a student of the game. He you know he he works harder than anybody. And I do think that you know even at the end when he was you know throwing ninety four ninety five, it was sort of playing because of his other stuff. Yeah. So uh, you know I think that's a great acquisition. And so that yeah, I mean when I look at the team, when I look at the Rangers. That's where I start, and then you go from there, and you talked about the lineup. What's the interesting thing you mentioned was Brian Reynolds. These guys, these got potential trade guys. With the what the Rangers have done, what Chris Young has already done, you invested in DeGrom. You've invested in, uh, you know, maybe inadvertently Martin Perez in a way. Uh, you've invested in Valdi. You've invested last year in John Gray. So you have these guys. Is it now a case of we 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 got to keep moving forward and get that final piece? I mean, there's not saying no. Nah, we're done. We're good. We're, we're we've we've already spent all our money. Is 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 it still a case of doing what I'm saying, which is I, we can sniff it. Let's go for the juggler. 
Yeah, well, and that's where the trade comes up bigger, right? Because Brian Reynolds, as an example, is cost controlled for three more years mm-hmm. of arbitration eligibility because they're at, I believe, around 220 on the CBT side. So they're 13 million short of the luxury tax. And even if you go over it, you know, if you're going to get that close and you're comfortable doing it, to go over by a couple of million is probably not a big deal if they even had to go there, quite honestly, because they're going to come right back down um, next year the way that it's lined up. That's the one, I want to say downside, but, you know, three of those starters could not be here next year in right. 2024. Martin's on just that. That one-year deal, Andrew Heaney can opt out, um, and uh, Odorizzi uh, is one of the guys. So three of the six, um, you know, could potentially be gone. So you got to be ready to fill those holes as well. So even if they were to to go above it, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, and we know the game is flush with cash. What they have going on down here at Globe Life Field uh, with Texas <laughs> Live and everything around it, and it continues to grow. Uh, the All Star Game is coming in 2024. Uh, you've been to the ballpark, right? You've you've been. To- you know, I haven't. All I know oh. is that all I know is that uh, our uh, our on the road correspondent Courtney Finnicum had a twenty five dollar margarita in a helmet. Well, so. yeah. So that's how we get Jacob Degrom and others. But this whole Texas Live thing and and what they do around the ballparks. Uh, it's incredible. I mean, they do really. Well, nice I know I've been to the Texas now. Live thing, so I was there. When oh, yeah. So I just hadn't been in the last couple of years, but it's yeah. you know it, it is like well, you knew this was that's the way it was trending. Just the mere fact of the shock and awe of last year. I mean, we yeah. we focus on this year. Well, this is two years in a row. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, and yeah. So I want to ask you. Yeah. So, so when, but real quick to answer your yeah. question, I, I don't think they are done. Um, because this is a pretty aggressive ownership group. Six straight years of sub five hundred. They let it slide. Um, obviously made a pretty shocking decision when they uh, let Chris Woodward go. And then John Daniels, right? Mm-hmm. John Daniels, who had been here for so long. I mean, even Chris Young was shocked by that. Kind of caught him off guard a little bit. They were working in tandem, and J.D. had brought in Chris Young. And all of a sudden, it was like, hey, the ownership group decided Chris Young's going to be the guy. We want you making all the decisions uh, going forward. So, yeah, they're, they're not taking anything to chance. And we haven't even talked about the fact that Bruce Bochy the manager, right? To get oh, him to well, come out of retirement. You know, yeah, right. They're in. They are well, all that's, in. Well, that's the ultimate. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, that's the ultimate sign we're in. It's, yeah. it's we can't for, we can't forget that. It, and and by the way, making the making the what is it associate manager Will Venable oh, for Will Venable. Will Venable. Yeah, there's some titles out, and we got an offensive coordinator too. Oh, and do so, you really? Yeah, we don't mess around. Yeah, oh. Donnie Ecker, who came over last year. Uh, that's the state of the game too, right? I mean, as far as all of the, oh, yeah. the different titles, and sometimes you have to give somebody a different title. If they're already locked into a job, right? That sounds like it's higher. Yeah, that's exactly it. So you mentioned you mentioned the possible going the trade route for some of these guys now. Mm-hmm. What's the status of the farm system? How how do how do they feel in terms of because one of the things that GMs will say when they sign these deals, these big deals, is that we can sign the big deals if we have the farm system to support it. Because yeah. we want to get the we want to get the most out of the big deals. Now the big deals in this case the position players in terms of years. So when they sign Simeon, when they sign um, Seager, the idea is okay they're going to be around for seven and ten years, but we're going to have young players, cost controlled young players coming up. What where do they stand with that? Well, I mean, I would say at least as far as in the infield, even on the big league roster, that would be Josh Young. We had a little bit of time last year. Uh, Nathaniel Lowe, I think he might be a super two as a two plus, mm-hmm. uh, but still four more years of control with him. And then below that, uh, some of the starters that we saw last year, Glenn Otto, Cole Reagans. Don't forget they drafted Jack Leiter a couple of years ago. Yeah. Kamar Rocker last year. Uh, so a couple of those Vandy guys that were highly touted are in this system. Owen White is a really exciting arm that they have. Another first-round pick from a couple of years ago, a middle infielder, Justin Foscu. Uh, really, he's put up good numbers so far. He looks like he has a legitimate shot, um, and there's nowhere to put him. The middle infielders, you don't want to come through the system right now as a 
middle infielder. With but that's the, why you trade him. I mean, there you so, go. There's, there's so how you get there. Brian and I, Reynolds. And I would, yeah, and I would say, I would say, Leone Tavares. I'd be interested in Tavares if I were the Pirates. If they get into that conversation, I mean, he is as good as it gets defensively, um, and I think he's made enough of a climb offensively where you can see that continued growth. Uh, Bubba Thompson, another first rounder we saw last year, fastest guy in baseball. It's it just. It's so much fun to watch him run. Uh, Could have went and played football yeah, was, in Alabama. Was, was better than watching a fast guy go first. Uh, I mean, and he's got some form. It's like it doesn't. It's not the most beautiful looking form. That's what makes it even more interesting. <laughs> and it's just he just goes. Uh, he's got to prove that he can hit. But there's athletes all over the place. I think they have the pieces to make it happen. It just you never know. You know this better than I do because I just I read stuff and I just take it for what it's worth, right? And so when the Pirates say, "Oh yeah, we know that Brian Reynolds wants to be traded, but we really we want him here. He's not going anywhere." Well, I heard the same thing about Sean Murphy at the yeah, end yeah. of the offseason, and he ends yeah. up being an Atlanta Brave. So I don't know what to make of that and how that actually works. Uh, but if you're taking calls, I do think the Rangers would have the pieces to make it happen. If not there. Who knows with the Diamondbacks with all the outfielders they have? I know they already traded Varsho, um, mm-hmm. but they may be a team that you can entice. Hey, hey, the problem is it's it's a seller's market because you know you look at what the free agency was for outfielders, kind of stunk. You know yeah. when when Conforto's getting you know Conforto who you know who barely didn't play and and then it was didn't have a great even great year before that. You know he's getting the contract. He's there was a desperation and you had saw the Blue Jays out of the gate. They trade for Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, so the outfield, the outfield market was they need in, in synopsis. People need outfielders. So if yeah. you have outfielders, you're in good, you're in good shape. Yeah. So yeah, the Diamondbacks for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, I first of all, I, I hope I get you pumped up for your team. There you go. I'm predicting. Oh yeah. I mean, I love it. It's, it's <laughs> weird. Like if I do it, everyone's like, "Oh, you're a homer." Right. And so what you are, I think you should be. I think as a home broadcaster, to some degree, there's a homer element in there. You're there to sell the team. I mean, you can, you know, let the writers beat the players up. That's the way I look at it. Or <laughs> let the radio guys beat the beat the players up. I'm going to give you a reason why you want to watch the game and why you want to be optimistic. So yeah, if they can get in and expanded postseason helps, they have the pitching to carry them. Can I ask you a broadcast question? I, I love talking. I think we've actually Thanks. talked broadcasting before, and it's really interesting the way it's going because you know, obviously, I come from the radio side. I've done a little bit TV, but very little. But I love like looking at how things have changed. And since you've been doing it, um, you know, we talk a lot about attention span. We talk a lot about things that they can do. And we had um, when the World Series was going on, and Ken Rosenthal's interviewing guys right after they hit home runs in the dugout. That was a big line of conversation. And we had Joe Kelly on, and Joe was. Saying, yeah, you know that this is how far we come. Guys look at the guys in back of them. They weren't giving the side eye to what are you doing doing an interview. Everyone yeah. understands that there is acceptance to it. So a lot has changed, I feel like, in the broadcast world. From your perspective, what are some of the things that have changed even in the last couple of years in your eyes? Yeah, so I've been fortunate to be doing it now for 10 years, six with the Rangers. I'll be going into my seventh with them. Um, next year, I think, you know, when I started doing this, we, we just started dabbling into how much do you bring analytics into a broadcast? And it's, you know, and I, I've tried to stay on top of it, um, to make sure that I could stay relevant, right? A lot of the older guys that I've run across, whether they're teammates or former opponents, um, you know, from my generation kind of hate. Um, analytics, not all of them, but it's a kind of a general statement. Sure. They don't, they don't love when it gets into, um, a conversation. There's that balance in there of finding because analytics by itself is a boring word, right? Is there another way to come up with it that makes it sound interesting? So I, you know, I sat there and I, and I feel things out and you try to get a feel for your audience and understand you're never going to please everybody. Mm-hmm. And so I, I try to, at least in that regard, um, keep it short to the point of I can't explain it in 15 seconds and I can't explain it. That's a good way to do, do it. Yeah. Uh, and working on that and, I think it's part of it, but I think ultimately entertainment, 
you know, it's interesting because you're going to get different opinions. And from our chair for Dave Raymond and I and and David Murphy and Dave Valley, who do games with us, um, you know, and of course, Emily Jones for sideline. It's, you know, you have a kind of a handful of different people you really need to please, right? It's first the point man with the Rangers and John Blake. Then, of course, it's also the ownership group. And don't forget about the executives at Bally's, right? And so, and even so, and quite honestly, even the front office. When I interviewed with the Rangers, I interviewed with John Daniels. Yeah. I don't know how many broadcasters interview with the general manager of the team. What but did he ask took, you? What, what, they what took was a vested interest. Well, I knew JD it? because he first came on when yeah. I was a ranger. Well, that was still a weird interview. I it mean, was a little bit. It was great though because he had he he'd heard me do a game for Fox FS1 game that happened to be a Ranger game against the Royals, and he just really liked what I did. And so he talked about some of the things that he felt where there was room for improvement um, in their broadcast. You know what they wanted to see, and talking about the other team as an example, he brought that up. He said, I feel like there's, you know, I'd like to hear about the other team a little bit more, educate our fans and the other team. At the same time, our fans would be like, all right, that's enough about Mike Trout. We get it. He's great. You know what I mean? Like they don't care as much. And so you're balancing that. So I bring up all those different groups because they don't all necessarily want the same thing. Yeah. yeah. As much as you want the fans to love you, you hope that's the case. Those kind of four groups are the most important because they decide whether you work or not. Right. (laughs) If they collectively are like, yeah, this stinks. This guy's gone. So it's like you sit there and you try to balance that and what you want to do and what they want you to do and and making sure you're doing the best you can to keep everybody happy, which again, you're never going to do, at least not at a hundred percent. But I, you know, I like to, you know, making sure that trying to make big moments feel big, try Mm -hmm. to end context to what's going on. You know, I do listen to some of the feedback that that I'll get from our, our viewers, as long as they're you know not being yeah, jerks yeah. about the whole situation. Or like, hey, I like that you were you know trying to bring me along a little bit on what that meeting was like between the pitcher and the catcher. One of the things that we got a lot of good feedback on for a while, which kind of stinks now with Pitchcom, is taking fans through the signals. Right, what's going on here? Right, it, you know, you get that nice tight shot on the catcher putting the yeah. signals down. Yeah, he yeah. wanted the fastball in. He shook to it. He goes to the curveball instead. We get to find out whether the pitcher or the catcher was right. And then, yeah. you know, because anybody can second guess. It's right. that ability to first guess and bring people along with the first guess. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. Who cares? But when yeah. you're right on the first guess, everyone acts like you're the smartest guy in the world. So yeah. that's, I prefer to try to be ahead and guess. And if I'm wrong, I'm okay. Well, yeah. well that's, I mean, we we talked a lot about what's great about baseball over the last couple of months. And, and one of the examples I used was Bryce Harper at bat, at bat in the World Series. Everything about that at bat, that's what, you know, everyone's, oh, well, I don't want to, like, pay attention. It's like attention span, this and that. Well, I get it. It's a playoffs. But take that moment. Take that at bat where, to your point, you're from. You're guessing what the pitcher's thinking. You're guessing what the hitter's thinking. Okay, he throws a pitch. Why did he throw that pitch? Now what are you just thinking? And you're going through all of it to the point where – the culmination where you have obviously the image of the guy hitting the home run and everyone just exploding after going through, thinking through every single moment of this. That's what it's about, right? Yeah. And even if you get it wrong, right? John, John Smoltz is really good at it. I think understanding tendencies, which pitch, which hitters are going to be aggressive early. And what does that mean for a pitcher? Right. You have certain hitters that are willing to take a strike or are going to sit back. You're going to have guys that are looking for something to jump on, you know, based on their history. Like that's good knowledge to have. And those numbers are available to broadcasters like they are for everybody else. Um, get an idea on swing percentage on OO counts or with runners on and then bring that into the, a broadcast. And again, talk about be not after, you know, he, he's hits a first pitch fastball for Homer hearing the analysts go. Yeah. He's a, he's an aggressive first ball swinger. Well, no, we all saw it already. You know, bring me along, get me excited, build the moment up a little bit. Let's see if it happens again. And if you're wrong, um, I don't think it matters. But yeah, bringing, I think, as much as you can for viewers into the moment 
um, to me is is what you want to do. And again, you're not you're not going to be right all the time, but it is fun. I remember my very first year calling games. Tony Barnett, right-handed reliever, was with the Rangers, oh, yeah. and he comes in to face a lefty. And so I got my dad, and I'm ready to go. And I said, "Listen, t- you know Tony's heavy cutter, and this left-handed hitter is terrible against cutters." And I have the data ready, and I spit it out. Right. And sure enough, like first pitch cutter, broken back ground ball innings over. And I see a tweet from a guy who sends me, he's like, Oh man, I'm loving this new generation of Rangers baseball and CJ letting us know ahead of time. Like, Hey, this is why the righty came in to face the lefty. And here's why you can believe in it. And here's the data behind it. Uh, those kinds of things, you know, you were Romo, like you were, you were, you were pre-contract Romo for a, there you for go. a batter. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. but like I said, but it's okay to get them wrong too. It really is because there's so many different things that can happen in a game and so many different strategies. Absolutely. So the last thing is, and I appreciate your time, CJ is that we had this question um, after, I think it was after, well, Correa, Correa signed with his first, or agreed with his first team. <laughs> and so you, uh, so we looked at the divisions, and yeah. and at that time it was, well, who has the best division? Because you had the Giants, you had the Padres, you had the Dodgers. Uh, and I'm really talking about the top-heavy part of the division. Then you had the NL East, you had the Mets, you had even before the Correa thing, you had the Mets, you had the Braves and you had the um, Phillies. Mm-hmm. And then you have the American League East, which you can make a case for some of those teams. Bizarrely, the Red Sox are the last team you can make a case for right now. But even then, you maybe can squeeze a case in here and there. But then you like, I looked at the NOS, uh, the AO West, and I said, obviously, you have the Astros. And the Seattle, what they're doing is, you know, you can't argue with it. They've, they've reached the point of, okay, you're in the conversation. And I said, well, the AOS is in this conversation because of the Rangers. Like, so, so where do you, how would you rank the divisions? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think, you know, obviously, Evaldi and that signing, the Rangers have gotten even deeper and we're not done yet. I will tell you this, just totally random. I talked about this on MLB Network Radio today. If this Correa thing falls through, keep an eye on the Angels and the Mariners. Because yeah. he'd be a fit on both of those teams. And then that's yeah. going to change things uh, dramatically, especially if he somehow he gets interested in in doing something short-term again in high AAV. Um, I think he really wants to be with the Mets, but I don't know if he's going to, you know, listen, if they want to try to lower that deal, I get it, why he might not be uh, open to that idea. But this division runs four deep, and it's the starting pitching. I mean, the starting pitching for those four teams, obviously the A's are kind of doing what they're doing, and they just haven't spent. I know they brought in Trevor May, but it's you know it's a light team and probably a non-contender. Yeah. Uh, but the other four run ridiculously deep. I know some people you know watch the Angels' moves and say, ah, kind of ho-hum. Look a little bit closer at the four lefties they have in that rotation and what they put up last year to go along with Shohei Otani. Uh, I talked to Mark Gubazad today, and he thinks they'd probably even go out and get one more to have that sixth kind of starter. And you know, Michael well, they Walker's were they were in there. on Ivaldi. I mean, they, yeah. they were in Kluber. So yeah. yeah, Johnny Cueto's still out there. He's an unbelievable. I mean, I think, watch he, every I year. think he's an underrated guy. Like he it's, it's, I don't know how he did it last year. Yeah, <laughs> free entertainment. Yeah. But anyway, I, th- I really do think that you know the four teams run so deep with starting pitching um, that that's what's going to make it really competitive. Obviously, the Astros have the lineup that's the biggest pain. The fact that they have six homegrown starters. You know, if you throw Hunter Brown in there in Houston, it's it's that should never happen in baseball. <laughs> you can't be that good and that lucky. Uh, but here they are with six homegrown starters. But no, I do think it runs deep. And you know, I know a lot of people think, well, who's fighting for second place? But you know, as a Rangers announcer, you're like, okay, well, if just one or two things go wrong in Houston, right? One of the starters doesn't deliver. Maybe another one gets hurt. Something like that. That's what yeah. it's going to take to knock them off their perch. But it's certainly a reality. Any of the other three absolutely have the ability um, to win that division. So it's going to be a fun year with. Less divisional play for the first time, of course, just when the division gets deep. But I'm okay with it because there's something nice about bouncing around a little bit more, too. All right. Well, listen, you, you, no one I would rather talk to today than you. So it's, it's, it's good stuff. (laughs) And I look forward to our talks, uh, 
during the season and uh, and maybe even before. So thanks so much, CJ. Oh, of course, Rob. My pleasure, man.